program, I have an amazing guest who I was just saying offline, someone who I truly respect and honor. She is a patriot. She served our nation for many years in Congress and uh, continues to do so in the area of prayer and many other things that you're going to hear about in today's interview. But Congressman Michelle Bachman, welcome to the program. Todd, thank you so much, and thank you for your great audience, for everyone who's watching right now. I so appreciate the interest that so many people have in the current topics of the day, but also in the solutions, and many of those solutions are found in prayer. So I thank you for your audience. Oh, well, thank you, and we appreciate you, and you know, you've been on the forefront, and you come from the Twin City area up there yeah. in you know, Minnesota, and that's been a topic of discussion as we've seen the George Floyd situation, all the different things. Yeah. I'm just really uh, curious to get your take on what we've seen up there, and uh, also from a spiritual standpoint, you're an intercessor. What are you feeling in your heart uh, being from that area? Well, of course, this is my home state. I love this state of Minnesota. For people who've been here, especially in the six months of the year where it's not frozen, <laughs> and that's a good time to come, by the way, there's really no place like it on earth. I mean, it is just, it's a peaceful, happy place. Uh, we don't take ourselves terribly serious. We really uh, use a lot of self-deprecating humor, and it really is one of the happiest places on earth, believe it or not. I think we have to figure out how to be happy despite all the cold weather, and we do that. We're very family oriented. We're not a, tr a transient area. And it's also been highly educated people who've come from this area. We People don't know, uh, Minnesota has produced students with the highest SAT and, and ACT test scores year upon year for decades. Uh, we've got a very strong commitment to education levels, but we also uh, have the highest workforce productivity. So we're well-educated workforce, very hard workers, and we produce a very good product. And so that has meant that there's been a lot of economic stability in this area. And I attribute that to the fact that this region was populated originally by a lot of Germans and Swedes, Norwegians, a lot of Scandinavians who had a very strong work ethic, but also they came to the United States because they had a very strong biblical ethic mm. as well. Yes. Some Catholics, some Protestant, but very strong biblical ethic. That really helped to create a strong ethic in Minnesota where the very first thing that would be built in any town was a church and that there was a point of reverence that really permeated all of culture. And a lot of your listeners know the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association began in Minneapolis, Minnesota and was wow. here for decades. We had many ministries that were here and that really contributed to the peacefulness and the prosperity and the stability of the region of Minnesota that has changed beyond my wildest dreams mm. to where we are today, I'm sorry to say. Mm. And what, what is it that initiated that change? How is it, because you know, I know the area well, my wife's from Green Bay, Wisconsin, so we've gone through there, we know the weather. I tell my wife every time I go up, there's a, there's a storm, but uh, you know, we love the people <laughs> and very similar uh, to the people of Minnesota. Very oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so we love that area of the country. And it's a, like you said, many, many believers up there. Uh, what has changed in the last decade, though, that, that you would say that you've seen there uh, that's, that's made such a significant impact on the culture? That's a great question, Todd. I, by the way, I married a cheesehead too, so we have something <laughs> in common. Um, but I would say probably the main thing is, the, as would be true anywhere else, a loss of reverence for God and mm. of the things of God. 
and a loss of reverence for his word and the truth of his word and turning away from the truth of his words to our own ways. And that brings us to a place of emptiness, ultimately sorrow and sadness. And I think that's happened here in Minnesota as well. Also, the embrace of false gods, because the first commandment is very important. And again, this is not to be legalistic. These are the laws that God gave to Moses for our good, not for legalism, to say that I am the Lord thy God. You know, Thou will have no other gods before me. I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. Yeah. And so what God is saying is that we are to worship him and him alone, to know who he is, his attributes and his strengths. And in Minnesota, I think that there's been a turning away from that even from mainline churches, even from other churches where we don't necessarily revere the truth of his word. And instead, we've, uh, many people have come to the Minnesota area that are not believers of the book. They're not Jewish or not Christian. That's not to say that God doesn't love all people. He does. Right. But when people embrace false gods, that brings an element into your society. And, you know, 30 years ago, we could say that there are false gods and that we shouldn't worship them. Today, it seems like we're not allowed to say that because that's considered not inclusive or not diverse enough. But the fact is the word of God says that there's only one God to whom we serve. And there are false gods now here in the state of Minnesota. And many in the church no longer will even say who God really is Mm. and uh, and the fact that he deserves uh, praise and attention. That's right. I just was reading a survey and it said there's, there's pastors, this just blew my mind, that don't believe in the divinity of Christ. I don't know how anybody could be yeah. in the pulpit and not believe that, but this is what we're actually seeing according to Barner Research and some other studies. And so this is yeah. clearly happening, uh, Congressman, you're right. And, uh, you know, there's something significant about a president. I want to talk about Donald Trump because I know you've been uh, following him and his presidency and you're a supporter of his as well. And we've seen something very uh, amazing to me where, where leaders in the body of Christ are at sometimes laying hands on him, praying for him in his office. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's an evangelical faith council. Uh, to me, this is unprecedented. I know there's been access to uh, former presidents in the past, but to me, uh, this is something very significant. What do you think about that? Oh, you're, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. No president has ever made themselves more available to the faith community, and in particular, the evangelical community, than this president. I'm privileged to be a part of that group. I was one of the original 20 that were invited upstairs at the Marriott Hotel together with people like Dr. Jim Dobson and uh, Dr. David Jeremiah and others that your listeners would know who they are. We were able to meet privately with President Trump and speak with him. And then afterwards, he went downstairs to the ballroom of the Marriott in New York City. And a thousand faith leaders were able to hear from him then. And he made an impression and things switched. There was kind of an ick factor before. People didn't think that they could actually trust Donald Trump. But after that time, when they could see him open up and speak about himself, there really was a renewal. Many of your uh, viewers may not know this, but about... Oh, I'd say 17 years, 18 years before Donald Trump ran for president, he actually watched Christian TV quite a bit. Yes. And he had put a call into one faith leader, Paula White, who was a pastor at a television show, and he called her up and, and, and uh, I talked to her directly about this. This isn't hearsay. She told me that, that uh, Donald Trump at that time 
quoted back verbatim to her practically two or three sermons that she had yes. given and said, I'd like to invite you to come up to New York City to meet with me. This is long before he ever thought, you know, thought seriously that he was going to run for the White House. That's she right. went up and on a regular basis has met with the President of the United States and his family. And they, together on a regular basis, weekly, they would read the word, pray. Mm. And uh, she became the pastor for the family. And so imagine that. This yeah. is a man who had been schooled in the word for over 17 years before coming into the White House. So he is not unfamiliar. And I was privileged to be one of those pastors. Well, I'm not a pastor, but a, a person of faith who could put my hands on the president also and pray for him. This isn't a weird thing. The no. Bible talks about this, that we are to lay hands on those and also to um, honor our authorities and to pray for them. And yeah. so that's what we do. We honor authorities and we pray for them. And uh, Donald Trump, of all presidents ever, he most is open to people of faith. And this is what people need to know about the president. He has done more to advance biblical values in his nearly four years in office than any other president ever before. I've served in Washington, D.C. I've been in politics for decades. No one comes close to Donald right. Trump. He's done more for religious freedom, religious liberty, to help the persecuted church, to get rid of abortion in America and defund Planned Parenthood, and to advance the interests of Israel and the Jewish people. No one even touches this president when it comes to biblical matters. And we have brought our concerns to him. He's taken them under advisement. I am literally floored at what this man has done, because I truly believe if he knows what is righteous, that's what he wants to do. And the most unbelievable person, the last person you would ever think would be that person in office. And yet this is a man who's proved himself. He's proved himself faithful. And because he's proved himself, I think biblically, uh, we need to be informed as to who he is, as to who Joe Biden is, I could just give one example. Yeah. Joe Biden has said the very first thing he would do as president of the United States is to put in place the Equality Act. What is mm -hmm. the Equality Act? It's really the Inequality Act because the, in the Equality Act would add the words um, sexual orientation and gender identity to the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and 65. And that would completely upend the Civil Rights Act, which was meant to give equality to blacks in all right. area of life in the United States, which was a good thing. This actually, in my perspective, harms all people because it really is about punishing. It's, it gives special rights to certain people who practice certain behaviors. It's about giving rights to feelings, not to immutable physical characteristics. Yes. And so... Rights are given to feelings, but even worse, everyone in your audience needs to understand this. We're all going to lose rights. Yes. Those who believe in a biblical standard, we will be punished. That's right. We will no longer be able to verbally or practice life in the way that we used to practice life because we'll be punished for what the Bible says. If we mm. speak what the Bible says, we'll be punished. That's the first thing Joe Biden is going to do, whereas Donald Trump has spent nearly four years doing everything he can to assure access and practice for our First Amendment rights under the Constitution for religious freedom and religious expression. 
Truly, no president has ever done more to advance a biblical perspective in the United States than Donald Trump. And Joe Biden will eviscerate that. In fact, the Equality Act, Todd, it ends RIFRA which is the Religious Freedom Rights Act of 1993, which allows you and me to go to the courts to protect our religious rights. The Equality Act ends that. It makes, it exterminates our religious rights. In other words, it upends our First Amendment constitutional rights, which remember, that's why the pilgrims came here 400 years ago for religious liberty under Joe Biden. Bye-bye, pilgrims. Bye-bye what we've taken for granted, and it will be over. You can take it to the bank. I've got a video clip of Joe, of Joe Biden saying that. And yes. if nothing else, people need to have the guts to vote against Joe Biden for that and that alone. Yes. Wow. You said a lot there. You know, uh, religious liberty and freedom is a passion of mine. I'm actually the director of the Religious Liberty Coalition here in the United States. And so for me, it's a huge passion. We, we've been talking to pastors all around the country who have been having infringements, especially in California, uh, some of the oh, yeah. states where, you know, they're, they're now having to pay fines and uh, just unbelievable things that I would never have fathomed. Uh, a friend of mine, Sean Foyt, has been holding these events around the country oh. where I love Sean. Yeah, and they're having these events, and they were in Chicago, I think it was yesterday, and we're just about to print an article about this because it's so unbelievable. The police were actually instructed to tell them that if they hold their event, they were going to confiscate their equipment. And this is after the city allowed protests for weeks upon weeks with no real stopping, uh, but for whatever reason, the Christians can't come together and worship. So to your point, uh, Congressman, you know, this is a real issue. And I think a lot of people have been saying to me, you know, well, we can't just uh, vote on abortion. You know, we can't just vote on abortion anymore. And I said, but you it's don't not, have to. <laughs> there's so many other issues that are so incredibly important. And I do think a lot of people are waking up as you go around the country and you speak to different people. What are you hearing from the folks? The number one issue on people's minds right now is the distress in the streets, the bloodletting on the streets that goes unchecked because the Democrat mayors of mayor metropolitan cities haven't had either the brains or the guts to stop this in their streets because they're playing to the woke crowd. Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, for instance, the hapless failed mayor of Chicago, has been willing to stand by where literally every single weekend, the death toll is worse than the death toll in Afghanistan or any war-torn area on planet Earth. On planet Earth, there's more death, shooting, and destruction in Chicago than anywhere else on planet Earth at any given time. And she refuses to accept any help from President Trump with the National Guard. She'd prefer to be able to go to cocktail parties and brag about how woke she is rather than protecting the poor people that are on the streets of the Chicago. uh, And she's losing her city in the process. But this is happening in major metropolitan areas all across the United States, my own home city of Minneapolis is where the spark was lit tragically on May 25th when George Floyd died. Now, this is something, Todd, I think every single person should know. Yeah. The truth about George Floyd, who he is, he was a felon. This yeah. was not a good guy. This was a guy who, who broke into a pregnant woman's house and he took a pistol and he put it, pointed it at the belly of a mm. pregnant woman and he held that gun to her belly and said, I'm going to shoot you and your baby dead while five of his thuggy friends looked for drugs in her house and robbed her blind. That's George Floyd. Wow. George Floyd was in the process of passing counterfeit money when, the, when, when uh, the incident happened in Minneapolis. But here's the kicker. George Floyd took his own life. 
Yeah. He took his own life with an overdose. People don't realize this. Right. We all saw that horrific video of the police officer with his knee on the neck of George Floyd. But this is, again, what people don't understand. This was a legal police move and maneuver that was allowed in the police handbook. So the police didn't do anything that wasn't according to their handbook. What had George Floyd done? George Floyd was acting crazy. He was passing counterfeit bills in the city of Minneapolis, and he had taken so much fentanyl that in his body, according to the toxicology report, he had two times the level needed to kill himself. So he had two times the, the lethal level of fentanyl in his body and methamphetamine and other drugs in his system. Plus he already had a weakened respiratory system. He knew that and ingested the drugs anyway. When the police arrived at the scene, George Floyd was sitting in his car already saying before the police touched him, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. The police didn't know what was going on. He was dying of an overdose. Wow. That's what was happening. His lungs were filling up with a filmy liquid su substance. And in fact, the autopsy showed that George Floyd's lungs weighed three times more than the normal amount of, an, of a healthy lung. Why? Because he was dying. In mm. fact, the medical examiner said if the police had arrived 15 minutes later, he would have been laying on the street dead. He was dying by his own hand. Wow. And even when the police took George Floyd out of the car, he was walking around the streets of Minneapolis saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. The police right. tried to get him into the car. He resisted arrest. He became a crazy man. And so they took him down to the ground to hold him. They called 911 to come and help take care of him because it looked like something was wrong with him. So the police did everything they were supposed to do. They were waiting for the ambulance to arrive. He passed away, not from the officer's need. Why? Because again, the autopsy report says none of his neck bones or, or the muscles were bruised from the officer's knee. What you would find in a medical examiner report and in the autopsy wasn't present to show that he died from from me, he died from the drug overdose. Wow. And yet what happened? The hapless governor, Democrat, the hapless mayor, Democrat, said no to the National Guard help. The, our governor in Minnesota said, let the third precinct police department burn to the ground that mm. lit the spark on all of the distress in the other streets. And what's worse, our Attorney General, Keith Ellison, who our Democrat governor wrongly put in charge of prosecuting right. the four Minneapolis police officers, he sat, he knew this. He yes. knew this. He sat on the medical report and the toxicology report that proved without a shadow of a doubt that George Floyd took his own life. He sat on it for three months while Portland, Seattle, cities across the United States burned to the ground while police officers were being killed, he sat on this report and somebody else released it. He should lose his law office, yes. he sh his law license. He should resign as attorney general yes. because you, it, as an officer of the court, it is his duty to release exculpatory or right. helpful information to the defendant, in this case, to the police officers. Keith Ellison, the first Muslim in Congress, by the way, he failed to release this pertinent information to the detriment of justice and the police officers 
but more importantly, to the detriment of peace and safety across the United States of America. That's the truth about George Floyd. And wow. even the Minneapolis media won't tell that story. Wow, uh, that is a lot to unpack. Even though I know uh, these things to be absolutely 100% true, you really articulated that, Congressman, in such a way that I think many others haven't been able to do. And uh, I thank you for that. And, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to that, the word treason, sedition, uh, these words have been thrown around as we've seen uh, some of the acts of the, uh, the people in, in power in these Democrat cities where they are not quelling the violence. They were allowing businesses of people of all race, color and creed to burn, uh, you know, to, to you know, be finished. I mean, people put years into these businesses and, and people are just assuming that they get insurance money. That's not always the case. Uh, but, you know, I've been to 17 cities recently and I've seen the damage in several cities. And I don't think most Americans realize it until they see it for themselves. You know, it's just appalling. And, uh, you know, the mainstream media, to your point, the way they're reporting on these things is completely skewed. I read a recent report where they said uh, Obama got a 95% of, um, positive uh, reporting from the mainstream media where the president of the United States, President Donald Trump, is getting the exact opposite, almost a 95% negative. And yet he still is actually doing better in his approval ratings than Obama did at this time in his presidency. So it's really amazing. God is on his side. Um, you know, we're seeing something happen here. I think people are awakening, even with these cities where they're seeing the Democrat leadership allowing this to happen. I've had lifelong Democrats come to me and say, you know what, we've had enough. Uh, we're not going to you know, put up with this. This is ridiculous. They don't feel safe in the suburbs. They don't feel safe in their homes. Um, I'll just tell you real quick, and I know you got to go, but uh, that had a woman in D.C., African-American woman. She's a minister. She's a Democrat. She, her house was almost taken over by a mob. Thank God she had bars on her windows. They tried to break in, but they couldn't. They did get into her next door neighbor. She was terrified. And this is an African-American woman who's also a Democrat, who's being terrorized by the mob. So it just goes to show that it's not about, I mean, it's really a demonic spirit. I and mean, let's be honest, it's really a spiritual battle in our nation. But uh, we're getting ready to do something very awesome in DC as we switch gears here, very important. Uh, Dr. Jim Garlop, Pastor Jim Garlow is going to be putting on a well-versed summit, and you happen to be one of the speakers there. Uh, would you briefly share what you're going to be talking about there and, and uh, let people know about that? I will. And Todd, thank you again for promoting this event. It's going to be on September 27th, the day after the return with Jonathan Kahn and also with Franklin Graham's prayer walk in Washington, D.C. So we want to encourage as many people as possible to join up online. It's very limited attending in person in D.C. because of D.C.'s strict rules regarding coronavirus, but we can join together. It'll be very informative. So the story I just told about George Floyd, I'll be expanding on that story so Please. people can hear the truth of that story and of what is happening in our streets. It's the number one issue in this campaign the law and order issue or whether we'll go with Joe Biden's America, which is what we're seeing because the, what people do need to understand this, this is a revolution in the street. Yes. It, it compares completely. It parallels communist takeovers in nation after nation for the last 103 years. This is a communist revolution and takeover in our streets. And really Joe uh, Biden is the non-essential candidate. Um, from his party's perspective, they don't care who's at the top of the ticket because what they know is that 100 days after the election, should Joe Biden prevail, they intend to put in, I believe, 
a Marxist form of government. They'll have it done in about 100 days. We'll never go back to who we were before. So this is not a, an, a normal election. This is the existential election of our lifetime. That's what we need to understand. So I'll be talking about that. I'll also be talking about how uh, the two parties look at the election. For the Republicans, we look at the persuasiveness. We look at issues. We talk about issues. We persuade voters based upon the ideas that we're presenting. What issues are in this campaign? What issues is Joe Biden talking about? Absolutely none. I mean, zero. They don't care. Yeah. The, so at this point, what they're looking at is process. It's a process election because they see we're looking at a coup in front of our eyes right now. We had a coup with a, the, a Team Obama trying to get Hillary in before, trying to steal the election away from, from Donald Trump. We're aware of the Spygate mess. Yes. But now we're looking today, it's happening in front of our eyes in real time. It's yet one more coup. But this coup is through the cheat by mail voting that the Democrats are trying to institute yeah. by cheating to win this election through what they call ballot harvesting. I'll be explaining that more. And then also they plan to win the election in the courts. Yes. And Mark Zuckerberg said that this last week. He was on telling everybody, my job is to get the American people managed in their expectation to realize we won't know who's president on election night. It'll be days, it'll be weeks. That's why Hillary Clinton said, Joe Biden, don't concede ever. What? What about if you lose, Joe? You concede. Not in this case, because they intend to, um, to um, be lawless and change the law for the, whatever they want it to be. And I will give examples of lawlessness. And then finally, Todd, I'm going to talk about the worldview differences between the two political parties. And really, the, the two worldviews mirror these two parties. And we need to know how is the biblical worldview presented in the United States in this election, and also the secular totalitarian worldview, and how the two match up, and what are the consequences? This isn't just theoretical. This is very practical and pragmatic. And every single person listening to your show and who I hope will join up for this event on September 27th, they'll find out what the real consequences are depending upon worldview. You won't want to miss this. You'll want to be a part of this great event. Well, yes. And you just uh, tempted me. I want to ask you so many questions about the things you're going to be talking about, but I guess we're going to have to wait until the Wellverse Summit because I know you're going to be expanding on those topics and they are so important. The mail-in subject alone uh, has so many people asking me every day, what's going to happen in the courts? What's going to happen? Is it going to go to the Supreme Court? So uh, Congressman Bachman is going to be talking about these things. We're going to put the link on the screen for those that are watching on the streaming version. If you're on the radio, you'll hear a brief commercial right now about the Wellverse Summit, but uh, Congressman Bachman, thank you. How can we find you uh, right now, the things that you're doing and, and, and helped you in the things that you're doing? Hi, Todd. Well, I haven't been terribly active on social media. I had an extremely large following before, about 4 million people, but I've actually been fairly quiet. I've, I've been devoted in prayer. And if I could make, my name is Michelle Bachman, Michelle with one L, Bachman with two N's, B-A-C-H-M-A-N-N. -N. My former site was michellebachman.com. I may reactivate again at some time in the future, but this is what I would ask. Um, there is so much powerful things that we could do between now and the election. The most powerful is to be in prayer. The Lord asks us to humble ourselves and pray and confess our sins before him and turn away from our sins. No one's perfect. No one is perfect, but he asks us to confess our sins, repent, which means to turn away and to look to him. 
I would ask everyone who's listening to this right now to please commit to be in prayer every single day before the Lord. Maybe ask someone to join you, just even on the phone, to pray with you. Pray for our country. Would you pray against this cheat-by-mail voting? I believe the way cheat-by-mail voting will be defeated is through the power of prayer. Trust me, on the other side of the term, there's a lot of people that are, are practicing a different form of religion that is the form that God gives us in the Bible, and they're seeking false gods in action. We need to seek the Lord our God in this election and be prepared for a miracle. He performs miracles all the time. That's what he's good at, but we need to seek his hand. And so I'm asking that before this September 27th event, people would pray and then pray into this election in the first Tuesday of November and wait and watch for a miracle from the hand of Almighty God. Yes, that's so powerful. And we're, we're praying for revival in our nation. You know, we love pre- yeah. uh, President Trump, and of course, he needs to win. Uh, but ultimately, I believe the church in the United States. And also the Senate and the House. And the House and the Senate <laughs> and local, uh, local yeah, government. The, I mean, it's the all. The races. I mean, this is crucial. It's the existential re- election. Either yeah. we'll go on as the America we formerly knew, or we're done. We're that's done. Right. That's and right. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, I've been at the top of the top in Washington, D.C., and yeah. I have watched this every second of my life, um, every day since. This is where we're at. We either are, have a chance to go back to where we were and have America become great again, or we're done. We're done. And so it's, it's in our hands. God always says it's ours to choose. We choose life or we choose death, and I choose life. And I'm asking everyone to do the same, choose life for America. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. You can see why Congressman Bachman is one of my heroes. And we thank you so much for everything that you do. We honor you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in DC. And, uh, and I hope that you will also tune in uh, to the Wellverse Summit, which we will show again on the screen right now. And God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Tom.